1: Even at thirty thousand feet, so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over
0: there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died.
2: Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the Catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we are celebrating Andrew Lloyd Webber with a Phantom of the Opera crossover. So it is set to close on Broadway, and I'm having a handful of what I'm calling Phantom Cats on the podcast. So my guest today has been performing as a swing in the Phantom of the Opera, but before that, she was Jelly Lorem and Griddlebone in the Hamburg, Germany production of Cats. So welcome, Marnie Robb, and thank you for joining me.
3: Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me
2: i'm excited to have you i you you did cats in the 90s like the 1999 2000 so i always like to start and my first question usually is were you obsessed with the 98 movie but you were doing cats like right around when that released so i i always love to start though with when was the first time you were introduced to shell like did you have a chance to see it before you were cast in it
3: that's, yeah, that's such a fun question. I, the 98 movie was not really on my radar, to be honest. Uh, I, I, of course, I knew, I grew up in uh, New York, New Jersey area, so I came to Broadway. But Cats, I I kind of always knew that it was there in the background. It was kind of part of the, you know, the fixtures in, in Broadway. But okay. um, the first time I saw the show was after I signed my contract <laughs> to go. Okay.
2: So you signed the contract. It's like I probably should go see it before. Exactly.
3: Well, it was kind of my little present to myself after, right after I signed the contract. I went and saw the show, and I sat next to a couple of Italian tourists who were thrilled to be there. And uh, I, you know, I watched the show, and I was like, "Huh, I'm going to need to unpack this and see this a few more times because yeah. <laughs> it was not really what I was expecting." And I was, I was expecting kind of more. Uh, plot hanging it together so uh it was so funny to be kind of so peripherally familiar with something and yet not really know what it was uh but it it was kind of cool to approach something with a clean slate
2: yeah so did you like i'm kind of fascinated by you now that you've signed this contract you know you're gonna go as jelly did you spend most of the time watching her the entire show or were you still kind of like i want to just see everything
3: i was trying to absorb everything i was like what what is this show what is happening who are these cats uh, when the actors come out in the very beginning to do Green Eyes, I was like, oh, oh, my goodness. Here they are. They're next to me.
2: Yeah. You know, they're <laughs> in the aisles. <laughs> and what was your, I guess, like what, how would you describe that first viewing in the sense of like, what did you think you saw? Because like, I do think as someone who, like some people get to see it a, a ton of times. A lot of people only get to see it once. And when you see it once, it's kind of hard to unpack that first time. So what was your interpretation that first time?
3: My kind of my overall interpretation, well, my overall impression was that uh, I'm somebody who really kind of focuses on story. I love I love good yarn, no, no pun intended. Uh, and this one, I mean, that's not really Katz's thing. Yeah. So I was like looking for the story and, and where is it? Uh, so that left me confused. That left me confused. And I was like, well, I guess I have a lot of homework to do. I have a lot of, you know, work to do in rehearsal. But thankfully, the way they did it, uh, the way they structured it in Germany, they replaced most of the cast. So it was a giant cast turnover. So I got to rehearse with like 20 people. And we rehearsed for, f- I think, four weeks.
2: Okay. Yeah, I, so it's 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 fun hearing you say that because I'm the same way. And I'm like, I like this, like, sitcom writing of A-line, a B-line, a, a line, through stories coming together at the end. And Cats does not give you that. And that was my, my gripe uh, when I first saw it was like, I'm, I'm grasping to write my own story and that's mm-hmm. part of why we're here today as I've tried, yeah. to, tried to write my own story for this. Um, so you go over, you, you, that's, I was going to ask Be my next question was, is that you kind of come in mid run this, this production ran 15 years. And so you're coming in, not even mid run is towards the end of the run, mm-hmm. but you got to have 20 different people you rehearse with. I want to hear a little bit There's two parts I really want to hear about the rehearsal process for you. I think one is as an American from New York, going to learn the, sh- the show in German and it's not like it's a show you knew the whole thing in English and we're just now relearning the, the, the words. What was that process like? is like did you speak any German when you when you started?
3: Well, so I my background uh, in my undergrad degree is in vocal performance in opera. So I have a classical background and that was really helpful because I had to study languages. So I did study some German, I hadn't actually ever lived in a, a place where I needed to speak it, but I, I knew basic grammar. I knew basic German diction pronunciation. So that, that was a challenge, but it was a challenge that I was kind of prepared to take on.
2: Interesting. It's, that's such an interesting thing. Cause like, I remember the first time I talked to anybody that did the German production that wasn't German. I'm like, how do you learn it? You know, it's, it's, it's hard enough to learn a show and you're, you know, mm. you're, native language to learn it in an entirely different language is fascinating.
3: Well, there are, I mean, to get, you know, to get really, I guess, nitpicky about it. There are, there's a style of pronunciation that is, is that works for opera hmm. and for cats, it was just more colloquial, uh, or, a you know, a more spoken pronunciation. So that was a little, that was a challenge to kind of figure out how to do that and also I know they, they worked with me because the Gus, the theater cat song is so kind of spoken and intimate. You, you want to connect with the audience. And if the audience is all German, you don't want to sound like you have a foreign accent when you're doing it. So they tried their best with me. Uh, and at the time, I mean, I don't know. I haven't spoken German in forever, so I, I really don't know what would come out of my mouth if I tried right now. But yeah. <laughs> uh, back then, my my pronunciation was pretty good. So I, I had, and I took German while I was there. I went to the Volkshochschule uh, to try to take some classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that helped a little bit. Uh, one thing I was completely paranoid about all the time was uh, the possibility of going up on a lyric. Because if you have, you, there's no ad-libbing. Yeah. You know, you can't mess up. And for Jelly Lorem solo, you're just kind of out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not in an ensemble with a bunch of cats who can just do some more dialogue and tread water for you while you gather your brain.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's, again, kind of fascinating. It's like, I think that the things that have, as someone who's not a performer and not, you know, the, a lot of this is all fascinating to me because it's like I can't even fathom doing any of it. But then I hear about swings and I hear about, learning in a different language and all these other things i'm like this seems so hard to do with without adding any extra layers to it and then you add those extra layers and to your point like you can't ad lib you can't do this you can't do that um and it's you know it's it's just such a unique kind of piece to this but such a cool piece to this too
3: i have great respect for uh all of the cats who were swings because i i would talk to them and they i'm sure you you've probably heard also that Sometimes during the Jellico ball they would have to look down and see what costume they were wearing to remember which space to run to. to yeah. Which because they're doing the same dance, but what, you know they have to know where their entrances and exits are. So that that blew my mind. And also the fact that a lot of these are just fierce formidable dancers who come in and who haven't really said any words on stage in their native language or otherwise and now they're being thrown a foreign language. Yeah. <laughs> so that was very challenging for them. And the, the dancing was not, is not really my comfort zone. Uh, so mm. that was, I was like, woof okay, here we go. i got to learn the Jellicle ball.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, 13, 12, 13 minutes of intense dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to the other part of that, that you got to at least rehearse with a bunch of people coming in. But yeah. what was the... Like there's the rehearsal of the the dance and the staging and everything else. There's also in cats, I think a big part of it is the character. So mm-hmm. how much like of a backstory were you given? How much of the like the cat's lore were you told when you're kind of going in midway through the run?
3: Well, that's interesting. I do. I I remember. Uh, so I was what 24, I think 23 when I went over there, and I I do remember this one giant ensemble rehearsal uh with the incredible joanne robinson and we were supposed to do an improv all together where we just got accustomed to the physicality of being cats and being cats together and it was uh you know we didn't know each other very well at that point and yet we all had to kind of crawl around a room and like paw at each other and know who were kittens and who were middle-aged cats and who were the older cats and at one point somebody like threw a newspaper and some like giant yarn ball at us and we had to just bat it around and play with it and someone wound up shredding the newspaper. I, it was it was kind of it was slightly dangerous to have all of these people who are very creatively inclined uh, and a little kooky to, and who don't know each other very well and who are most of these dancers are are so kinetically intelligent to have everybody kind of do a free for all improv was was intimidating yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh so that I I remember doing that and in advance of that I do remember doing um here hold on a second I'm so sorry my email is on and we keep getting some dings so I'm just going to close out of my email. I remember kind of doing table work, I think sitting in a circle and doing table work and kind of in orienting everybody everybody's character to everyone else's uh and and a very important um tier tier system was age mm-hmm. so okay. uh, and for yeah so kittens, let's, let's
2: let's go into what you remember of that of that like table and we can start with jelly like what was like you're you're told the ages and here's who they are but how much are you told about like the jellicle choice and and all these other pieces and all the relationships that come with that and this might be mother daughter. These might be uh, husband wife. The, these versions of that.
3: For jelly, I'm sure we were told a lot, and at this point, I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could remember because it was so long ago. Uh, so what I do, what I do think of jelly, uh, and maybe some of this is is what I was told, and maybe some of this is what I kind of came up with during the course of the run. Uh, it kind of blends together at this point, but. Uh, Jelly is an us. She's not a kitten. She's uh, not quite as old as uh, she's more of a middle aged cat, maybe like young middle age. And she's, I always imagine that if if jelly had a profession, she would be a nurse, because she's she'd be one of those awesome nurses, who was just you know, maybe working with with, uh, with the elderly or working with, uh, with the people who are, are have terminal illnesses. And she would just be the one who was always upbeat and always uh, there with a smile and and, a, and a, an encouraging word and just really good at taking care of people who are kind of, you know, on their way out for whatever mm-hmm. reason.
2: Yeah, she does have that very motherly... I think it's a lot of the association with Gus is like you kind of tie her character with Gus and and being the one that really cares for him. And especially in the 98 movie, the Gus was a very old, blind, famous British performer, and they had to like walk him out on stage. You know, it's like Joey had to like Mm -hmm. physically walk him out on stage. Yeah. And so you get some of that, like a lot of the theories around that are the the combination of that relationship.
3: And the kittens too. I mean, Mm -hmm. when, when Jelly's not in the spotlight with Gus, she's kind of minding the kittens. Mm-hmm. uh and taking care of them and making sure during grizzabella's entrances that the kittens are not if they're curious about her that they'll oh, get them stay away from her she's bad news
2: yeah would i, I would love to hear a little bit about the griddle bone. like did they tell you anything about Griddlebone? because it's it's not in the revival it's like not in the yeah. current production so it's like it's one that i don't know as much about besides what i saw in the 98 movie
3: mm-hmm. yeah well uh I'm glad, you know, in hindsight, because I know it's, uh, it was cut from the revival and it's, I I believe as it should be, it's so problematic and it's Mm -hmm. long. Also, it's super long and doesn't, it's, it's very cuttable. Uh, That said, I'm really glad I got to do it because it was a lot of fun. It's particularly for, for Griddlebone, you know, for, for Gus and Griddlebone, it's super fun. Um, And also it. I had just recently graduated from, uh, you know, I had been doing opera. Uh, so it was kind of fun to actually do something that, that was uh, a take on grand opera.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, an interesting piece. It is problematic. It's why it kind of got canceled. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also, I, it's like one of the ones where... I feel like I have a pretty good grasp, or at least theories on backgrounds of all this, like a lot of the cats. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you've got some either written history by cast members or fans, mm. but then you've got tiger and Griddlebone, and it's like they're kind of just this little insert, and so there's not a lot of like what they actually are. Um Yeah,
0: well, I
3: think uh that they are uh, character wise i don't think they're that deep because i think that they are actors playing roles i think it's well, kind yeah. of a flashback to a role that mm-hmm. Gus did so and you've got he mentions or sh- i guess jenny uh, jelly mentions irving and tree who are in in the text of the poem mm-hmm. and they were i mean to have you know in the 98 movie you mentioned an old renowned British actor. And then we had uh, Sir Ian McKellen doing it yeah. in the, the recent movie. You know, these, these guys were, they did everything. They did all this grand stuff. I mean, they weren't opera singers necessarily, but to, to do a musicalized version of that, I think this was like their Richard the Third or their, yeah. you know, it, it was their amazing, amazingness, but just put into opera form.
2: Yeah. Um, I, want, I have one more jelly question and I think we can go on to some other topics. I, I, I want to know who else did, did you think about relationships with other cats? So obviously there's, mm. there's Gus, that one's, that one's the staple. Then there's, you already mentioned the kittens, but did you think about your relationship? Like what was your thought with, with Grizabella or with for Jones or some of these other kind of the middle-aged cats? Like how did you relate jelly to them?
3: So uh, there was that adorable, uh, Buster jones dance and uh and jenny any dots kind of takes a lead on that but i i uh the way i always felt about it i don't know if this is i don't think there's anything anyone told me but i i just felt that uh that jelly has a bit of a crush on bustifer and uh bustifer and jenny any dots are tight uh so there's a little bit of like not not mean jealousy but like gosh i wish i was her you know <laughs>
0: so uh, with
2: jenny okay so there was the there's a like a cuz there i do feel like there's a little bit of a relationship with buster jones or there's mm-hmm. like a old friendship or something there i had always projected it back to grisabella and not to jenny mm-hmm. but that's interesting cuz jenny's doing the dance you're saying kind of leading that number
3: yeah so that's how I, and and, uh, and jelly and jenny are together a lot or in the staging. So, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of viewed her and maybe that's because of where the us, the two of us were as, as actors, you know, uh, and our relationship, we kind of brought that in, uh, where, where I just looked up to her. Um, and so we kind of take the cues from, from her, you know, she was more of the alpha friend.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, what about old Deuteronomy? Was there any thought or relationship with old Gerotomy and his sons, like the Tuggers and the Mesophoes mm-hmm. and the Macavity?
3: Well, uh, Oh, that's interesting. Um, that it felt, it always felt like something, um, that jelly didn't necessarily have a place within it, that, that that's a little bit like the, um, the more, the more drama side of the family and part of the family. There's just a lot of drama in there and, and jelly is more of a mind to the children, and uh, and the elderly and keep the peace and take care of the people or the cats, uh, so I think it's more of like a okay,
1: yeah, <laughs> cross your arms, <laughs>
3: just like let them be them, uh, and you know the uh, with respect to the patriarch.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that okay. So that makes sense. I I do feel like it's the Joey Jenny motherly show of this piece of like there's a lot of the two of those cats kind of like. Keeping more things in line and making sure stuff's going, but also like the respect of Gus and and everything else.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like letting the letting these uh, older male cats shine where they where they can. And also, you know, maybe indulging them a bit. uh, But but keeping the keeping the engine running.
2: Mm -hmm. We'll be right back more to some crazy cats conversations after this short break.
3: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
3: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void are prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Okay, let's fast forward to Phantom. So okay, you, I, I, I am a, like fascinated by like the fact that these are two Andrew Webber show because they're so vastly different. Yeah. But tell me about like you know was Phantom as a more of an opera background, was Phantom more of like the dream and Cats was early on in your career and just was something happened or like, how was how did Phantom kind of play a role into your career?
3: Well, I actually didn't audition for Cats. I auditioned for Phantom and then got a call. I guess they passed my name along to people and then I got like a final callback for Cats when I hadn't gone in for it. So. Uh, so it was like, uh, okay, I went in for phantom and then got a callback for cats and was like, uh, what? how did that happen? Um, yeah. So, so that's interesting that, that, I guess that gives a little bit of a framework for your question.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's, so that's, that's, that's a whole different set of questions. I think that's kind of fascinating that like, I think because there's that, that part, but that you go in for essentially Android Weber, you know, it's like you go in for, there and it's like well we maybe here later but here now we have this Mm -hmm. opportunity so that's such a unique thing i just i i'm so unknowledgeable about this industry that i'm like i didn't even know that was a thing that you could just go in and audition for something and then you just get a call immediately being like here here you go
3: yeah well i think i i don't think it's a thing necessarily i think they're just there are uh, there's some overlap in in cats and phantom you know among the creatives and so I think somebody was like, oh, we, we need, you know, maybe this person might be interested in hearing her because there's a need that needs to be filled over there. uh, And I think we're good over here for now, but she's good. Let's keep her on a list kind of a thing, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you get cast in Phantom. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
2: How much did having the, like, the background of, of working on an Andrew Loeber show help? Like, is there, like they're so different, like it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. even hard to to see, but there's also a little bit of not similarities, but you know, like you said, a lot of the same creatives and, and people that work on both shows.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I think probably the thing that was the most helpful is the size and scale of the show, mm-hmm. you know, so to, mm-hmm. to be able to, to have an experience of having gone in to a show that has that level of brand power and that level yeah. of, of multiple productions worldwide, they, they are run maybe not similarly, but it's a, it's commercialized. It's corporatized like, and not, not in a bad way, you know, but just, mm-hmm. uh, it's a large business.
2: Uh, yeah. It's not like a, you know, a, a, a new, like up and coming hope we make it, through a run type of show. Like it's something that's a little bit more established and a staple.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always the, the business has its own inherent fragility mm-hmm. in it. Uh, but, but yeah, the, this is more of a, of an, this is more of a larger machine with, uh, knowledgeable people who are running it and it has more momentum and it has its, uh, its audience that is, has been cultivated and there's a little bit more confidence that they're going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Did you see any parallels between the two sh- two shows, and not in terms of like prepping and people and everything else, but like the like I always think cats is there's not a lot of story, but there's this like great world they've built, and Phantom mm. is you've got this like kind of incredible story with smaller world, you know, it's like you're mm. you're you're in a the theater most of the time, or in you know a couple other pieces to it, but are in this like entire universe of where they're all coming back together. But did you see any mm. other kind of like this is what I really connected between the two or type of uh, thoughts.
3: Well, I, that, that's what an interesting question, and and yeah, I, I love your um your description of the world as opposed to you know the, the size of the world. Uh, I I agree with that. Um, and I mean, I guess we're starting since the Gaston Leroux book was already written, the source material was more comprehensive, and mm-hmm. the source material for cats is just you know, book of poems. So there's, there's so much room in there for world building. Whereas, I mean, aside from the physical limitation that, that that the Phantom of the Opera takes place in an opera house. So it's in, you know, it's in one place. uh, And the people and the Victorian world is, is like well-documented, but cat, we don't know about the inner lives of cats. So we get to make it up, you know, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Uh, And it, I mean, it's just applause all around for building all of that that amazing world uh, i think that's partly why we're why you're able to have a podcast about it because it's just there's so much room for
2: well yeah, imagination. So much, exactly and it, and it is a little bit of world of telephone where it's because there's so much interpretation and fan theories and everything else like some of those fan theories become reality because they get especially now they get dm'd to cast members or you know they hear about oh, yeah. something else and and they can then use that and internalize that as part of like, oh, I maybe I haven't thought about that. Maybe I can play it that way tonight because it's not going to change the story. It
1: mm-hmm. might
2: change a, an interaction with a cat, which is the part that is open for interpretation or open to so, allow to have those yeah.
3: things. <laughs> that was really fun, actually, to have so much because you're on stage the whole time, so you have mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of time where you're you're supposed to be, you know, the crowd, in air quotes.
2: Yeah. And I, I guess if we go back to, to that with, with cats, like how much did you try to do that? Like how much was that was built by relationships of the people that you knew in the cast or how much of it was like, this is what I was kind of told. Like you have a lot of freedom there. How did you try to make that when you're doing it eight times a week um, part of the story?
3: Well, being given now there, you know, there's so many things that I I have kind of faded into the woodwork uh, for for me, for after all this time, but yeah. I I do remember, and this is you know when I when I teach also, I, in building relationships among people, hierarchies uh, are important, and you can determine hierarchies in a lot of different ways, and for the cats, uh, you know it determines behavior and relationship. So for cats, knowing who's older and who has more status, or who's younger and who needs caretaking. Uh, that helps define, just at least gives a general framework for a lot of the relationships, and then you can kind of start building from there.
2: Mm-hmm. What about the one that's like, when the arc of the story is built around the relationship with Grisabella?
3: Mm-hmm. how did
2: you think about that one?
3: Well, because we're all having this big meeting, and it's it's like the annual very special, most special meeting of the year. Uh, and Grizabella is pointedly not invited. And that's a big deal. Uh, so to have her crash, the party is horrible and shocking. And, uh, so I, I guess that there's one thing that, that may be very, uh, maybe this is a, a comparison between phantom and cats, you know, that I didn't think of before to answer your earlier question. Uh, because these are both originally, you know, British musicals uh, and for cats of British stories, poems, um, I think hierarchies and uh, status and also uh, the, the appropriate level of pomp and circumstance and etiquette is, is very important. Uh, and for uh, Victorian era, for Phantom, I mean, that's, you know, that's yeah. very... Uh, it- everything's very stratified and you kind of have to play your role in society or if you choose to break out of it then it's a big deal Mm -hmm. uh you know if you're if you're trying to elbow the boundaries of your role that's huge and for cats i think grizabella's whatever the whatever the etiquette and the structure and the status is in this world of cats grizabella's on the outside of it so i think everything that she does because of whatever errors in she's made whatever mm-hmm. made her whatever put her on the outs has to be terribly shocking
2: mhm and then how did you every night like what was the moment that you kind of almost had to have yourself have to then welcome her back
3: oh um well i think it's oh it's the it's such that beautiful moment when uh, when Syllabub and victoria it's the kittens really and isn't it always you know the next generation the new generation that will that will buck the etiquette trend and and kind of override it because and find the humanity you know where humanity wins over over whatever etiquette or history or pomp and circumstance existed in the past so i think the kittens kind of break that 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 boundary and then i think that leaves room that for me anyway that that is what kind of lets the scales fall from her eyes, from Jelly's mm-hmm. eyes, <laughs> and mm-hmm. lets her be like, oh, wait, I've been unfair.
2: Yeah, I love it. Um, okay, let's go into the rapid fire, because I want to get to the million-dollar question here. Um, okay. So first is if you could go back on Uncats, uh, and you could play one night, one role, anyone, whether you can sing it, dance it, male, female, anything, who would you want to go on as for one night?
3: Oh, maybe uh, Bombi. Wow.
2: Bomb. Such a fun one, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, super fun. Um,
2: f- who are your favorite and least favorite cats?
3: Um, I think, oh gosh, I love Cassandra. She's just mm-hmm. haughty and amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a least favorite cat. I guess um I i, I always forget about Skimble Shanks, <laughs> I just kind of forget about them.
2: Uh, that's a that's so gonna be guess, controversial that pick. Yeah, it's great. I I had some animosity towards it, but he's got a very strong fan base. So, uh, oh okay. Oh so, gosh, sorry. So, sorry. so I love it. Fans. I I, I do think I think it's great. Um, no, it's it's honest. Uh, what is your favorite song in the show?
3: Um, your favorite song in the show. I okay. This is like I guess this doesn't qualify as a song really, uh, but the naming of cats. That's I
2: just yeah. think I, that
3: like sets yeah. it up. I, and I, I, was, I had to do it in German, so it always yeah. felt like, "Ooh, I get to kind of chew these words that are slightly yeah. unfamiliar for, to me." But I always felt like, "Ooh, I accomplished it!" You know. That's
2: awesome. Um, if here's my phantom crossover: if a cat was going to haunt a theater, which one do you think would be best at doing that?
3: Well, I mean, McCavity.
2: McCavity. I think it's Busterfer. I think Busterfer doesn't leave ooh. his box. I think he's in that box the whole time.
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: I like McCavity, though. Very haunting and yeah, it would be There's a lot of He's that scary. that is the same vibe. Yeah, you get a similar vibe.
3: Mm-hmm. Or Tugger. I mean, he'd like stage a dance party or something, but Yeah,
2: it would be a fun haunting. It wouldn't be yeah. It would be like, way more <laughs> more lighthearted and and uh, cocky, but still yeah, it would be a little bit of a terror.
3: Unpredictable. Unpredictable. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, okay, so the final question I have is mm-hmm. I have argued at length that I don't think Grizabella is the right jokical choice. So I wanna hear do you want to defend Grizabella, or if not, who would you pick and why?
3: Well, I I don't feel the need to defend Grizabella. Great. I it didn't occur to me that we should get to pick, but obviously that's the whole thrust behind cats that we get to pick. Yeah. And so yeah but i thought well this show's already been written and it's yeah. the person the cat has picked uh but uh, so i love this question and i mean hands down gus i i mean gus the for theater
2: for it so give me your rationale though of, of like why why gus over gusbella
3: well so gus is based on you know, these, these uh, just incredible actors of the, you know, the back the turn of the 19th to 20th century, all these legendary actor, theater manager types. Uh, and one of the, you know, I just did it like a quick search, uh, because I know that Irving and tree who are mentioned in the Gus Cat song, or you know, these big actors, and I think it was Sir Henry Irving was the first actor manager to be awarded a knighthood wow so it's already there it's already there you know and the and like gus the theater cat is basically the cat representation of these incredible this incredible legacy of elevating and and awarding these these legends for for the cultural gifts that they've given us so definitely gus
2: yeah i um Jess is a very I think is the most common pick outside of Grisabella.
3: Oh, and I think okay. it's
2: I think it's fair. I, cause it's you know, he's lived a great life, he's got the experience, it's he doesn't he's frail, he looks like he's ready to go. Um mm-hmm. and I love it. I, I I have and I'm curious mm-hmm. if you if your cast spent any time thinking about this, or if this is just me and the fans. About who was the pick the year before and who's the pick the year after? Like, is that at all ever discussed? Or do you just go, this is our one ball, this is what we're thinking about this year? Oh, no, I, I don't know if that was ever
3: discussed. Not in my memory. But again, okay. you know, I, it was a long time ago, so...
2: I'd be curious, if you were thinking, let's say that you picked... Let's say Grisabella doesn't come back and you pick Gus. Mm-hmm. How are you thinking about next year's ball? Like, who's going next year? Like, when's your turn as jelly?
3: Uh, Well, so... Jelly's kind of on the young side and also I think because of jelly's how I perceive jelly's nature as a caretaker, I don't imagine that jelly would be like me my turn you know I think that someone else would like others would definitely need to campaign for, for jelly time.
2: yeah, yeah it's uh, so but selfless. I do
3: think yeah. yeah so but I do think ultimately uh in you know another however I don't know how, how long a cat's lifespan is, or the nine lives. But whenever Jelly is up there and and a, a candidate after having lived a, a good life caring for others, I think it'll probably be a unanimous decision one year to mm-hmm. pick Jelly.
2: Yeah. So it won't, almost like the campaigning will happen a little bit before, and then it's like, all right, this is obviously. Yeah. Time. And everyone's going to be
3: like, shoo in.
2: Yeah. No, it's problem. Jelly's There's turn. No, no, Grizzabella's coming back that year. It's, it's Jelly. Yeah.
3: Yeah, if Grizzabella came back the year that Jelly was going to be up, like everybody would be like, "Get out!" Yeah, there would be no contest.
2: Well, this has been so fun. Um, I one question I always like to ask is, how can people stay in touch with you and keep up with what you're you're working on?
3: Oh well, I I am. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of um a grandma about posting on uh, Instagram, but I am there. I'm uh, at Marnie C so yeah at me
2: love it so give a follow i'll link it in the notes um these will be coming out right at the very end of phantom but uh but people hopefully have seen you do the performance because it's been on forever
3: (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for having me again this has been really fun
2: this was a blast thank you for for being an amazing guest and telling your story of course and and thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Roncat Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat atrophy. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the wrong cat Died, Or check out our website, TheWrongCatDied.com.
1: 18 plus.